welcome you to the preaching service of the Scots Fork Christian Church. I'm Otis Clark, the minister, and we're so pleased to have you sharing with us on this beautiful, beautiful Lord's Day. We've had many pretty days this past week, and the trees are so beautiful, and all of this should make our hearts glad and cause us to be more thankful. This morning, I'm going to talk on a message Work for the night is coming. And uh, probably many of you through the years have heard the beautiful hymn, Work, Work for the Night is Coming, When No Man Can Work. And that is so true and is such a, a great truth and it has many, many implications. I'm going to be reading, first of all, from the Gospel of John, the ninth chapter and uh, verse 4. And this is where that Jesus heals a man born blind. And I read this one verse, John 9, 4, and some other verses in other parts of the Bible. And John says, as long as it is day... We must do the work, works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no man can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And then also in the book of Romans, the 13th chapter, uh, Paul in writing to the Christians in the city of Rome, and he talks about the fact that the day is near and things that we need to be mindful of. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believe. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissensions and jealousies. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. And then also thinking about the importance of working while it is day in the Gospel of Luke, in the 12th chapter and verse 7, it says, The hair of your head, and the hairs of your head are numbered. The night is coming, and when we can no longer work. I just want to share a little bit with you uh, about my grandfather, and that there is so much that I glean from his life that he certainly understood these teachings in the Holy Bible. My twin and I were born in our grandparents' home, and we were born uh, on a, a Sunday, January the 23rd, and uh, it is the second warmest day on record uh, in the history of the state of Kentucky about being warm. And we were born there in our grandparents' home. But what I want to do is talk about, as I use him as an introduction, as an example here, is that he understood the importance of working to provide, and he also understood the importance of working so that he would be prepared to, to meet Jesus Christ. He was such a hard, hard worker. And if I'm calling correctly to attend uh, to my mind, he was 95 years of age when he died. 
And uh, I think about his days there on the farm in Franklin County. He was in a part of the Franklin County where it wasn't the best of land. There were a lot of hills and uh, he worked horses. They were owned a tractor, and uh, there, was, there he was and on the Franklin County farm, the hills and the rocks, and, and at different times, maybe in the late winter, spring, he would go over the hills and try to pick up a lot of the rocks so that the uh, hills are where he would mow his hay would produce hay and work and work and work. And, uh, and it works so hard. And after you get a little bit older, you look back on things through your life and think about things through your life. And uh, uh, I called to my mind, how in the world was he able to make a living? Uh, they had three girls and, and one boy. And, uh, uh, and they actually took a boy in uh, from Illinois to help uh, uh, my uncle in, in doing the task of the farm. And then what he would do, he would churn butter. Uh, he would gather the eggs. And then he would also, uh, if uh, he were you know, going to peddle things in the middle of summer, he would take uh, uh, items, uh, fruit from the garden, and he would peddle them in Frankfort, Kentucky. And I say this to say that he knew there were the times when you needed to redeem the time and to do certain things because only certain things can be done in certain seasons if you are going to get uh, any products. We look at the springtime, we think of that as a time of planting. We look at summer, and that is a time of cultivating a time when uh, we do all that we can to keep the weeds out and keep the soil in good shape and and so it will grow nicely and then fall like we're in now is the time of harvest and then winter is a time when we start preparing uh, for the spring you see friends there are the seasons of our lives there are things that we can do in the springtime if we want to have a great harvest that we have got to do in the springtime. There are things we've got to do in the summer concerning what we have sown and planted, and we've got to cultivate to make sure that they will grow and produce. And then, of course, there's the harvest, and, uh, and then we are able to re- re- reap the result of our work because we did what we needed to do in each respective season. And then also in the winter, many times we start preparing the ground, preparing the land for the spring and for a time of planting. And I look at my grandfather, and I can say with total honesty, number one, he worked hard to be a believer to live right, to do right, and he realized the importance of working while it is day because he knew there would come a day when he could no longer work. And so uh, I want to challenge all of us as we're sharing this podcast. Let me ask you, do you ever think about what uh, the end of your life is going to be like? Uh, As you look back over your life, uh, if you have the wherewithals, maybe uh, say shortly before you're called from this world, will you be able to say, I am pleased because I did all I could do uh, and that I know that Jesus said through his writers to work while it was night, uh, day because the night would come when no man can work. Now friends, Satan has blinded millions and millions 
of Christians. He has blinded us in so many ways. And one of the ways that he has blinded us is to, for us to realize as his children that there is so much that needs to be done. And I've said this from the Scots for Christian Church pulpit, that unless you work at this, you will not carry out the responsibilities that you should be mindful of and glad to do because God has blessed you and blessed you immeasurably. The first thing that I want us to see is that God has given us work to do. And that is found in the 28th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, verses 18 through 20. And we know and we think of this as the the great commission of going into the world and and teaching and preaching and, and sharing. And so let me read, if you will, and if you have a Bible close by, you might want to turn to the 28th chapter as I read verses 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Friends, the work and the message of Christ is really hurting. And I, one of the reasons it is hurting is because we are listening more and more, it seems, to the call of the world, the secular world. And it is blinding us. It is blinding us to the greatest book in the world. It's blinding us to the greatest message in the world. It is guiding, blinding us to getting to know Jesus Christ, the one who can bless us beyond measure. And so as that great commission is given, and they're saying today, the scholars and all, that the light of evangelism has gone out in our churches, pushed to the back burner, and maybe no longer on the back burner. And the very commission, after Jesus died, buried, rose again, he gave this commission to go and to make disciples. Disciple is a learner, a follower, baptizing them in the name of Jesus Christ and teaching them to follow Christ. There is no greater work. I had a funeral this past Wednesday. Uh, The week before that, I had a funeral. And all of this causes me to think about the fact you look at people, good people, and you just wonder how much thought they are giving to life and where Jesus Christ, who is, listen to me, the hope of the world in their lives. And so, first of all, we need to work and share the gospel with the world. We need to have ministry set up. We need to pray about. We need to think about things that will hopefully get the attention of people, whereby that we will have an opportunity to share with them the hope of the world. Jesus Christ, the giver of every good and every perfect gift. And then also God has given us limited time and daylight in which to do it. Friends, I know, and I said it, said this in the memorial service I had this past Wednesday, we don't want to get so involved in dying that we fail to live life to its fullest. And also, we don't want to get so involved in living that we fail to realize that we're going to die. 
And I know that the scholars are saying that we're living in a day when people think they're going to live forever. Friend, I'm doing you one of the greatest favors in all the world is to remind you about the need of Jesus Christ in your life, the need to know the great salvation which he has wrought for every one of us. And and we just have a limited time. You know, one of the things that I was thinking about and uh, as I was thinking about this message, I don't know, it just seems like lately that I have been around individuals and they have commented. They said, Otis, I, I just cannot believe that we are at the latter part of October, roughly eight weeks until we share in the time of celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. And uh, and so it's just like they, they kind of wake up and say, and they say it's not uncommon to hear people say, I just cannot believe how quickly time is going by. And I will admit that to a degree, I have thought the same thing. It just seemed like yesterday that this and this was going on, and here we are, and it's a totally different time. Friends, our days are numbered, three score and ten. And one of the things, now listen to me, that all of us need to keep in mind, that we are just passing through. We are temporarily on this earth. And what we need to keep for us, because what can happen, you can get to that fall time of your life when you no longer have some of the things that are necessary that you might do in the springtime of your life, in the summertime of your life. And you said, oh, I just wish that I had redeemed the time, that I've sought to be intelligent and study life and see that we're here because of God, we're redeemed because of God, and we're sustained because of God, and we have the hope of heaven, and I need to give time to these great teachings found in God's holy word. And uh, we have an opportunity, and can I encourage us to make the most every day, and to do the work that God has sent us to do. You see, friends, lost opportunities never return. Lost opportunities. And for us to, in fact, do what he's asked us to do, to realize it is day, let us work while it is day because the night will come, uh, we must understand maybe it's going to require time management, that you and I are going to have to take a look at the way we're spending our time. And friends, if we are so busy in life that we don't have time to do some of the things that we should count it a privilege to do for Christ is then we are not going to be what he wants us to be. Time management, setting new priorities. Can you say, can I say that yes, I am heeding this where he says, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things will be added unto you. Can I say that is the way that I am living my life. And then many times it may be that you're at a place that you uh, have just become plain lazy and uh, you don't challenge yourself. You don't ask yourself, Jesus, some of the greatest words he ever spoke are found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And we know that he talks about being salt. He talks about being a light. I've often wondered if I were sitting in the pew Sunday after Sunday, what would be my response? Well, of course, I'm greatly tainted in that certainly I would uh, uh, 
ask myself, I'd look around if I saw children and if there were, was not a Sunday school class for them, I certainly would challenge myself to talk to these children and say, I'd be happy to teach you all and to teach you about the glories and the love and the mercy and the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ. And so there is so much that we can do. You know, there's a song that says, Open thy eyes that I may see glimpses of truth thou hast for me. We are, if we are ever going to do it, it should be done now. And so the third thing that I want us to see is God has told us night is coming. It will. And uh, uh, I know that I will accept it, but I know the night will come when I can no longer preach. It's going to be a heavy day, a heavy night, a heavy time. Because I love sharing, listen to me, the greatest words of life. In Christ, we find there's a song that we used to sing. He saves and he keeps and he satisfies this wonderful friend of mine. And so uh, night is coming, a period of darkness. And in the book of Timothy, 2 Timothy, and uh, the third chapter, I want you to listen. I'm going to be reading quite a number of words here. And they're powerful words. And it's talking about the last days. And, and when you read this, you say, oh, my goodness. I didn't know that was in the Bible. I didn't know Paul talks about, talked about the, life, the last days to that extent. And this is what he said. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful and proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, beautiful, brutal, I beg your pardon, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Have a form of godliness, but denying its power. Have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind, Paul said to Timothy, who worm their way into houses and gain control over gullible women, who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres oppose Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. Friends, there is so much that I know that our Lord does not want us to do. And he's not wanting to take the joy out of living, but what he's wanting to do is to help us to understand that yes, we're a free moral angel. We can make the choice to do every one of these sins, commit every one of these sins. But you see the big picture, the big thing here is there comes a day when we have to give an account for our lives. Will we appear before Christ empty-handed? Will we appear before him ready and prepared to share in the joys of heaven? Spiritual darkness is creeping around us all the time, bit by bit, and it's unreal at the pace that it is gaining in this world.
And so the Christian message is not being received. It's not being welcomed in many places. I heard a person comment about a week or two ago that in a big mega church here in the United States of America that they no longer use sin. Friends, that's regretful because that's a smack in the face to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the very reason he went to the cross was to die for the, get ready, the sins of the world. The Bible says if we say we have no sin, we lie and the truth is not in us. And so friends, uh, we need to open up our ears, open up our hearts, open up our minds and say, listen, I need to get, I need to get on track because I want to come to the end of the road and be reasonably happy with the way that I have lived my life. And so uh, the point is, is that there's going to come that time. And uh, uh, needless to say, when we think about the message of our Lord, many times, you know, people are, are offended because they, even Christians, are very involved in the sins of the world. And many, and right now, this very hour, there are believers who are being persecuted, today's martyrs, and they realize that there is coming a night when we can do no, we can no longer have the privilege of sharing and sharing with others and making for a better world. And then also we want to realize that there is a new day dawning, some golden daybreak, Jesus will come. We think about so many great events and they are significant events, but the Bible tells us that when Christ comes again, the sky will burst asunder and Jesus will come with all of his angels and this resurrection and the coming of Jesus will take place. Uh, the Bible's a great, great verse, and it's a verse that says it like this, that weeping may come for the night, but joy comes in the morning. You see, if the farmer has done what he ought to do in the spring season, in the summer season, in the fall season, winter season, then he in all probability will have a good harvest and he will be prepared. I want to share with you, when I think about these words about that weeping may come for the night, but joy comes in the morning, about a happening that happened a number, number of years ago in Lexington, Kentucky at one of our churches. There was a music minister at one of our churches and, and he was married to a beautiful young lady and she was the daughter of one of our great preachers. And something happened that was terrible. And uh, his daughter died. And uh, she was married. And you ask, how was she die? How did she die? Well, supposedly that the, the husband said the door was left open and his wife was taking a bath and there was a hairdryer on a, sitting on something and that the cat knocked the hairdryer off of that uh, container and into the bath uh, bathtub and it electrocuted his wife and the daughter of one of our great preachers. And so some time went by. And he got to thinking about that, got to thinking about it. And I won't go into all the details, but he learned that the cat did not knock the hairdryer into the bathtub that electrocuted his wife. But in fact, he had done that. What a terrible, terrible thing. I do not know whether he is still in prison or not. 
But I do know when I attended that service, preachers from all of the, all of the state were there to show their sympathy to the father of the girl and the wife and so forth. And But there was a scripture, and I'll never, never forget it. And they quoted it, and I just read it a moment ago, that weeping may come for the night, but joy comes in the morning. For those hearts which were so broken, if their faith, and it was there, if their trust was there in God, they knew that the weaving may come for a night, but that joy would come because they would see their daughter again. Friends, in life, in life, if you want to be on top of things, you have to step back. And you have to look and see how the world, the secular world, has just totally overtaken you and taken over your time, taken over your thought process. And that we must, as I said a while ago, when I talked about time management, when I talked about things like that, is that uh, we have to work at it if we are going to be, we've got to be responsible if we're going to be what God wants us to be. Yes, God promises us a new day. A glorious dawning when men turn swords into plowshares, when true justice and full peace will rule, when Jesus will reign supreme, when all evil will be fully and finally subdued, when those who have trusted him, work for him while it was day, will walk hand in hand with him. Friends, there's so much work to do. There's a limited time to do it, and night is coming when we can no longer work. A new day will come when we can rest from our labors. I want to ask you, friend, are you a Christian? And you know what? In time, as time goes along, that if you listen to what I'm just saying about being a Christian and becoming a Christian, you will appreciate me so much because there have got to be individuals who are calling attention to the fact that uh, we're not going to be on this earth forever. And while we're on this earth, we don't want to give ourselves to flipping things, but to things of substance and to things that make a difference. Doug Warren, in commenting about this, he said, are you, or asked the question, are you a lazy Christian taking it easy when God says, be working? Work while it is day, because the night will come when you can no longer work. Father, bless this message. And if there is someone who needs to be challenged to pick up and, so to speak, pick himself up, herself by their bootstraps and go to work and work in the kingdom, get involved in the Lord's church, I pray that this message will help them to do so. And then also, Father, I pray that if someone is listening and uh, they have never given themselves to Christ, uh, Satan says, oh, you don't need to fool with that. You've got plenty of time. And we all know the biggest lie of Satan is the lie that says you have plenty of time. No, you don't. We do not know about tomorrow. We know who holds tomorrow, but we don't know about tomorrow. Friend, if I can help you in any way, I pray you'll bless this message and just help us contact me and just be with us all. In his name we pray. Amen.